This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Well, it's finally upon us. Looking forward to this weekend with the Total Archery Challenge. Um, Got a bunch of Patreons coming up there. Uh, We're staying in a house with like about 10 guys uh, right across the street from the Latitude guys. Um, Shooting Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Very, very, very excited. If you're up there, get a hold of us either basically probably through Instagram is probably going to be the easiest way. Or if you see us, uh, stop by the latitudes booth, talk with those guys, um, ask them, we're going to be cooking out on Saturday. Um, usually do that about six, seven o'clock. So, uh, going to be pretty, pretty open. Uh, I'm going to see what we got for, um, lodging this year, uh, may do it at the house or, uh, we're going to be, setting up maybe just in the parking lot like a tailgate so um not really sure it's just going to depend on what the room is um as far as like what we've got to work with but looking forward to it got greg litzinger flying in on thursday um he's going to be shooting with us all weekend um certainly if you get a chance uh, even just come up there and hang out check out the vendor booths check out the practice range kind of see what it's all about um, if you've got the opportunity, um, it's a very, very fun event to, um, see some gear, hang out with like-minded people. Um, you guys are, are going to love it. And it's one of our favorite weekends of the year. So looking forward to seeing everybody and honestly, don't hesitate to reach out and say, Hey, where are you guys at? Where are you going to be? Um, we, we love this weekend and getting together with everybody. Um, and that said, you know, we can't do this. Uh, put on a cookout. You know, I bought about 
I think we got almost 30 pounds of pork that we're going to be smoking and uh, bringing that up there. Frank's making some beans. We got uh, a bunch of different stuff. And uh, we can't do that without the support of our sponsors and our, our Patreons and, you know, just really, really do everything we can to um, kind of put everything that we can into this podcast. So um, that being said, we got to give a shout out to some of our sponsors, um, you know, Huntworth, they they do a lot for us, especially during the season with the gear and, and everything. Um, they give away a full setup every quarter. Latitude gives away a set of their sticks. Um, Latitude's going to be up there, like I mentioned. Spartan Forge, they give away a year subscription to their service, which gives you that artificial intelligence telling you when to be in the woods, uh, kind of where to be, uh, kind of where to focus your time. You can check them out at SpartanForge.ai if you're not familiar with it. Uh, you can use code BOWHUNTER to save 25%. And with that, I mean, their imagery is incredible. Their UAV, like I think he calls it single branch imagery. Like you can like really zoom in and you can go through, uh, depending on the part, of the country you're in, you can zoom in, uh, different times of the year, um, to kind of check out your area and see those game trails and everything. It's really, really, uh, great imagery. Uh, Zinger and Kanadi, those guys, um, had kind of like a family, uh, they're dealing with some family stuff, so they're not going to be up there. Um, like I had hoped, but they're, uh, they give away a set of their arrows and I was just out at our Bowman's club shooting, um, at the 111. This is the first year that I've got a, a pin and a line, um, that'll go out there and they're flying just tremendous with those new arrows. Um, and you know, for everybody that's a detractor for like the zingers, like how do they fly all this stuff? We were shooting them, like I said, all the way out over a hundred, uh, with, incredible accuracy uh greg litzinger he's been shooting them and he was uh kind of uh on the fence about him like yeah yeah and he's the perfect spokesman right he's got the name zinger in his name and uh he's pretty impressed with him uh to this point check out some of his stuff uh big shot targets they give away uh one of their uh 3d targets every quarter and i believe they're gonna have some out on the on the courses out there. Uh, so I'm going to be looking for that. I'm going to be verifying with Brandon, um, to see, uh, where we can find those out there. And, uh, Genesis 3d, if you haven't seen, he's got his new, um, single arrow quiver. Uh, that's perfect for like this type of stuff for the total archery challenge, somewhere to have that arrow. Um, you know, you could put it on your stand, you could put it on your, um, you know, with, with your setup in the tree. Um, but the ones that he's got right now, the ones that we have, uh, go right on your, on your bow and, uh, super cool. And like I said, there's a couple more things that he's got coming out that, uh, I'm really excited about, but Genesis 3d has got that lucky buck. We just sent all, you know, a ton of lucky buck up to our property in the UP and, uh, really excited to start getting pictures on that. It's doing gangbusters in missouri uh mark's got that out in missouri and uh, they give away a bucket of that or some some of their uh food plot seed if you can't use the the lucky buck in your area and then this podcast vitalize seed jared um and al um, they give away some seed uh, this is going to kind of go through all of that there's it's just stupid easy and we kind of go through it from a very uh practical everyman standpoint but we give away all that stuff four times a year um, once every quarter and 
we don't work with companies that don't give back. And that's what's most important to us is because we're going to be doing this anyways. We'd be buying the stuff. We would have all of this stuff. So it doesn't make any sense for us to just take, 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 take. We're doing everything we can to make sure that we're giving back to the people that support this show um, and especially the Patreon. So thank you, everybody. Um, you can sign up for that at patreon.com forward slash Borehunter Chronicles, or you can go to our Instagram and click the link there. Uh, but this podcast um, talks about drought that we're dealing with with food plots, talks about like the time, the equipment, all of that stuff, and kind of how uh, tips and tricks that we can use to mitigate some of that stuff and how the seed that you use um, kind of can help. And, and even the method um, can help you through some of these drought times and how you can help to build up your soil um, so that you can do kind of like the minimum effort for a maximum return. And uh, we go through all of that uh, because a lot of stuff is, you know, sounds too good to be true or whatever, but we talk about it from, from making something like this idiot proof. So, um, you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode, especially if you're new to food plots or you want to do something, but you don't necessarily have the time or the effort. Um, you guys are really going to enjoy that as always. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And uh, we are here with uh, Jared Van Hees on the line. He's actually driving back from doing some some work down on his lease in, uh, in Ohio. And uh, we're going to talk uh, food plots, property management, things that we can do this time of year. Uh, we just got done with that podcast with Jake Bush on things that we can be doing as far as scouting and locating deer. Um, and Jared's going to talk with us about uh, other things we can do for our properties and other things to get ready for the season. So um, how are you doing tonight, Jared? Good, Adam. Thanks for having me on. It's always uh, a pleasure to talk with you. And I enjoyed your podcast with Jake. I just wrapped that up probably an hour ago. So well done. Yeah. You know, it's it's really fun, um, you know, getting over the last few years, getting to know Jake. And, um, you know, we we hunted down in. Uh, I met him down in Ohio when, when Eric and I were down there and, you know, just going over maps with them and like kind of seeing him in his element. And, you know, as you know, with, with podcasting and, and all of the stuff, like he was talking about on his podcast now, he's, 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 uh, kind of giving himself some softballs with, with people that he knows and, and things where he's, um, uh, you know, it's the duck blind test or guys that you've already had a beer with or, or whatever. Like when you've met <laughs> someone face to face, it makes the conversation a lot easier. Um, and you kind of, you kind of know what to expect from the guy. So, so those, those ones much like this one are, are, are super fun. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to meet Jake someday. And, uh, his, your, your conversation with him was rather, um, timely considering we're just coming back from, at least in Ohio. And uh, yeah, you and I have met face to face quite a few times over a couple of beers. So this should be a good time. Well, and rumor has it, you're going to be up there to the, uh, the total archery challenge. Jake's going to be up there. So you, you will get a chance to meet him. Uh, if you, if you stick around. Um, but yeah, cool. But, yeah. I'll be up there, um, Thursday through Sunday. I don't know if I'm going to shoot Sunday or not. See how, how wore out I am. I might. And then, um, but yeah, we're shooting Friday, Saturday, Sunday at this point. And and where's your uh where's your practice at with that? Like how confident are you? 
So <laughs> let's see, scale of one to 10, I'm probably at about an eight. Um, I've practiced once or twice this year. I'm, I'm not one to always shoot my bow all year round. I, I wish I was, it's, uh, but I did get it out and I am shooting my old Matthews no cam. Um, I have, I have a newer Matthews, but I, I shoot that one well at tack. I've shot it up there two or three times and I haven't been to tack in a couple of years, but I haven't been to the crystal mountain one, but I shot it the other day at a local course at a club I'm at, um, Livingston County Sportsman's Association and uh, shot really well. So I just had to adjust my tape. My arrows are a little heavier than they were before. So I'm going to adjust my tape, put a new tape on there and I should be good to go. Yeah, we were shooting today and um, not to uh, brag on myself, right? But I've never had a, a sight tape that where I could hit 111. Um, and we were shooting 111 a day and I was three quarters of an inch out, um, in some, in some pretty good wind. Uh, but as far as my, my elevation, like I'm, I'm there, uh, my arrows, I actually had to, I was about, I was about two feet, maybe 18 inches low and, uh, swapped out 125 grain field point for a hundred grain field point And it's right there. And, uh, it's all the way bottomed out on my, my site. I still got room, but, um, just for, just for where it is. Uh, but at least I've got at least a frame of reference for one eleven. Um, and you know, that's an amazing, like confidence booster right there. Just being able to, to shoot and know what's, what's going on out to there. And, and Frank, we got Frank shooting all the way right on all the way out to, uh, to 90. And wow. he's, he's never, you know, I, I kept saying it to him when we were out there on the range. It's like, you, you've never, like, when was the last time that you were able to, uh, put one in the, in the spot at 70 and 80, you know, consistently. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, it, you know, so I, I it's going to be a really fun year up there, um, for us. We're, uh, we're staying with, um. A bunch of the Patreons and uh, Greg Litzinger's coming out, and uh, we're right across the street from the Latitude guys. So it's it's going to be a very very fun weekend. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But the shooting's good too. Yeah, no, it's it's always a great time. I mean, it's a it's a commitment to go up for the whole weekend, and and you know I got three kids, so there's that whole aspect of it. They're too young to come up and join me yet, but they've been been there before, and we've hung out. But to go shoot the course. Um, but yeah, every time I go up there, when I leave, I'm like, yep, that was awesome. I'll do that again soon. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I may try to even buy some lighter grain field tips than what you're, you know, you're mentioning. I'm shooting a hundreds right now. I might see if they make them even lighter for just to get me closer to that tape. Um, you probably know the answer to that. Do they make like fifties or is that just not even a real thing? Uh, that I don't know. I know they make 85s because um, they okay. make 85 grain broadheads. So um, that that's certainly possible. You could probably get them Amazon like next day, uh, but you're going to have to re- reset your tape in. But Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's going to be a great time. Look forward to seeing you again and, and meeting everybody and uh, going to the barbecue and, you know, doing it upright. So what what kind of like crazy mojo do you have where you can – 
go two weekends in a row uh, away from your family that you mentioned. Cause like you're coming back from Ohio. Tell us about that trip. Yeah. I don't have any crazy mojo. Um, I just, uh, I try to work really hard and, and take care of things when, when I'm at home and, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't always work out, uh, in, you know, like a wonderland, but, um, sometimes you got these prep weekends where all the guys are going down to the lease and you gotta put in your time and, and help out so you can reap the rewards this, this fall or, or as we hope, um, it's this weekend was great. We were going down. We have a new lease in Ross County and it's our first time stepping foot on it. We had to rip some stands off of uh, a different lease that my buddies were on. I was not on that one. So I joined this lease with them as their fifth guy. And so we helped rip a bunch of stands down, brought them over to the, the new lease. And then we scouted today, hung cameras, hung two stands, some mineral stations, and whatnot. Uh, it was very fun. Great area. The lease looks extremely rugged, um, pretty thick, which is nice. And then some open area to plant some plots. But I mean, it was 91 yesterday and sunny and today was like 82 and, and sunny. So as you can imagine, being in the woods and that kind of weather, bugs and poison ivy and chicks and everything else that comes along with that. Dude, you mentioned poison ivy. Like, I I didn't really talk about it, but the the last weekend of my turkey season, um, I had you know a couple a couple opportunities. Didn't come home with a turkey. Um, had a ton of fun, but I'm legitimately from like my knees to my nose, like covered in poison ivy. Like it just keeps popping up. Like, because I was I was working and I was hunting, so I'd I'd take my hunting clothes off and just throw them in the truck and then put on my work clothes, you know, go shower, put on my work clothes, then come back. And then the next morning I'd put the same clothes on. So like just about everywhere you can imagine, like where the like belt line of my, uh, pants would have touched or like, you know, when you, you take off your sweatshirt and like right where your t-shirt meets, like, I got handprints of poison ivy. I got it on my neck. I got, it's just, I'm going to have it until probably I would say year over year, uh, Valentine's day. So Memorial day to Valentine's day is like my poison ivy season. So it's just, it's just awful. Yeah. I, I didn't know it could be so, um, I guess, you know, sanctioned off at certain times of year like that. I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I guarantee you when we meet at tech, I'm going to be covered in it, buddy. Like I can't, I, I tried to stay away from it. I wore long sleeves. Uh, I mean, I know though, it's going to be all over me and I'll get it in deer season too. I, that's normally when I get it, you know, hunting mobile, grab the, the saddle and go up a new tree and I'll oh, shoot. There's that vine. I'm screwed. Like there's, it's bad. I don't have to get like the, whatchamacallit, the, um, the shots or the, the steroids steroid. Thank you. Uh, I don't have to do that. Like some of my friends, but, um, yeah, it's no joke. I'm going to have it all over me by the time I see you next. Well, I mean like scenario being, I, I go out, I see this Turkey in the middle of this field, right at the, like the mouth of the, the, the woods where like the two fields meet. And, uh, it's, you know, it's one of the tree line windrows 
jump in there, uh, hit a couple calls, get the get the turkey uh, gobbling and, and interested, and it's a huge turkey. And you know, I'm I'm setting up, I'm looking around, trying to see where I can kind of sneak in. I'm already in there, and I turn around, and the the oak tree that I'm leaned up against has got poison ivy going right up, and it's like, what do you do? Like I've already given away my position to this bird who's now looking and I'm, I'm just stuck, you know, like just be careful. I guess like trying to wash off as best you can, but I failed. Yeah. Have you ever had luck with washing off when, when you know, you've, you know, been exposed to it? Cause I still feel like I still get it, but you know, if you got a gobbler coming in, I'm going to, I'm going to hold tight to that tree like you, like you did, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? The worst time I ever had it, and I don't know if I told this on the podcast, I must have, uh, but when we were in Missouri, I climbed up this tree uh, the one day in the dark, and I didn't. I had a vine growing up, it, but I didn't see any of the leaves or, or anything. And uh, when I walk in and out with my saddle, I usually have the ropes over my neck, and it, that was just absolutely the worst. You know, I mean, my entire – like the back of my neck and like, I mean, basically everywhere. But to that point, like I, I have had, um, good luck washing off. Um, everyone that I've ever talked to and everything that I've looked at says to treat it like you're, uh, you're covered in motor oil, right? So wash like with a Dawn dish soap and wash it like to that level of, uh, scrubbing or, um, you know, ferocity, I guess. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at VitalizeSeed.com. That's that's a great metaphor or, or something to compare it to and use there. I uh, oh man, I just hope I got through it. So, from a habitat standpoint, what were you guys working on down there? And then I guess you can kind of go in to keep on the poison ivy thing. Like, does how does that affect the the deer as far as like do they eat it? Do they stay away from it? Is it something that you like look to get rid of uh, just as a nuisance thing, or is there any benefit from that? That's a great question. Um, we were down there. We didn't do too much habitat work along this trip. We did more of some of the, the habitat strategy or hunting strategy that, that we implement uh, on the podcast, you know, with mock scrapes. I know we, we've been talking about those for years. We put a, a few of those up. Um, and we're, we have two fields that we're allowed to plant. So, you know, I did a couple of soil core samples there trying to get a look at what that soil looks like and just realize, okay, there's a huge mat of, of grass and fescue covering this whole field. So we're going to need to treat it with herbicide um, prior to the fall planting. So it was more of a get our bearings, 
let's get some scrapes going for some inventory, get the cameras up, and then continue onward with, you know, the formation of how we're going to hunt this place, um, what food plots we're going to plant. This field is kind of in a bad spot. It's right by the, you, you come down this lane, you open a gate, you come down this lane, and there's this nice three-acre field, um, and you have to drive through it to get to the rest of the, the property. So that's usually a big no-no for me um, when we set up our habitat plans. But I'm wondering if, you know, even if we just don't hunt that field and give it to the deer, maybe we'll be able to attract some more deer over time throughout the season with that being food versus not right so i'm just really learning at this point and and a lot of scouting went down this weekend as far as poison ivy um i've seen deer eat some of the lower leaves on the poison ivy vines and whatnot i'll i'll spray them if i'm walking around treating weeds or spot spraying weeds in my food pot or something like that or or treating some invasives i'll i'll cut the vines or i'll, I'll spray them but at the end of the day, I really don't mess with it all that much because even if I go near it, I'm probably going to get it. So I uh, don't really take it too much into my habitat strategy, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, so really interesting on that. You know, I guess when I think of like leasing property or you're going to spend a bunch of money, uh, you're going to do this with your buddies. You're, you know, you guys are going to kind of be all in on one spot or a couple of different spots and you choose them for like a reason. And now you've got this, um, I guess area where it's not exactly what you want. It's not how you would lay it out. We've got something like that on our property. And we were, we were talking to you about that, um, a little before the podcast, um, that property and you'll see, but there's some things that you got to kind of drive past and, and all of that. Do you see those? And I know we've talked about this in the past off the podcast, like you still plant those and what is the main benefit to that? Like, because I think we always think like, we'll have these food plots and we'll be able to hunt over them. You know, you have a mega plot that holds deer and then you'll have uh, some kill plots where you want to set your stands. But at the same time, I notice on our property, based on, you know, even if there's no food plot in there, just that there's a grass field that the deer go out and eat in, the more activity we have around the camp, the more we go in and out of that road, the less deer we see. I mean, we're definitely tipping them off. So how is that something you're going to handle on that property? Yeah, that's... That's one of the most common mistakes we see with food plots, Adam, is that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the times everybody's first thought is, okay, look at this field, it's convenient, let's plant it. And the majority of people start out doing that. I started out doing that on my own 15 acres. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're causing harm, if you will, when you're spooking your deer, adding additional pressure when you don't need to uh, is the juice worth the squeeze is it worth spending the time and the money putting that plot in if you're blowing the deer off it every time you go by and i like to hunt for at least you know three-year-old deer in in michigan uh when i can and 
and that, that pretty much goes everywhere. I'm not, you know, I don't hold out for five and six year old. I'm not nothing like that, but, um, I like to chase a little bit of a, an older deer when I can. And, and those older deer won't stand that pressure, especially in Michigan, especially in the UP. Uh, so I, I wouldn't plan it. Um, I would use that as a, a deer free zone, if you will. Don't give them any reason to, to be there. Um, there's times in the timber we do that where we just won't cut any trees or we won't put any stands. We'll just leave it wide open park-like setting. Deer don't usually like that, so they, they stay away from those zones. Uh, in your case, you could add a screen along the road, possibly. Um, the deer are going to hear you but and maybe see you, but um, if you make the screen thick enough, you can get by. If they smell you, it's a bigger shock than than anything else but if you're like on a bike or, or cruising through pretty quick behind the screen and they just hear some noise coming by you'd be better off hiding yourself um if you know if it's a commonly used area um and then lastly a lot of times the deer that we like to chase or even mature does they know where you come in and out of your property so they will sit there in bed off of those trails off of those parking lots as dan and paul says off of the roads and they watch us, you know, we're on their turf. They know when we're there, they know when they're not. So anything you can do to try to avoid those situations, even if it means don't plan anything, um, could be the right advice. But is there a benefit of, you know, in, in our, in our case and in, in some other people that they may, um, have, this may have some credence for them as well to have something that, you know, we all think will, we can just hold deer. Like, so this'll keep deer on our property. This'll become the, the destination to have deer move through. And it doesn't really matter if we're blowing these deer out on our way in and our way out, they'll just be there at night. We're not hunting them there anyways. Um, you know, is that, is that a real thing or is that a real consideration? Yeah, and that's kind of where my head's at on this on this lease down there. You know, there's no other great crop fields around nearby, so would it behoove us to have the food? Um, even if we're we're blowing some deer out as we go through, you know, that's I think it depends where you're at. In Michigan, I think it's a little tougher. Um, I think in, you know, in some other states with a lot less pressure, you might be able to get away with it more. I mean, we're not there all the time. So if you can give them some food while, while you're not there, or maybe even access from a, if you, if they start using it a bunch and you find it a real attraction, maybe change your access around. Maybe we go to the neighbor down the road, say, Hey, can we access through, you know, your fence line here and down through the Creek and up the side of the mountain to, to the food plot, to the stand outside of it versus walking through the middle of it. Then I would say, yes, it's definitely worth doing. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's been bred into me at this point with how many properties we've been on it and podcast guests I've talked to and, you know, experience of my own that I just, I hate blowing deer out of a, a property. Um, so I guess that's, that's a big depends there, buddy. I know it's probably not the answer you're looking for on that, but I think it's probably situational. Well, take your situation in general, like, so you have a, a field that's in a bad spot that you have to drive through. What are you doing uh, yourself? 
We're trying to find access from another location. So in the, so being able to access it from another location, you're going to plant everything you can in that field. Um, in the absence of access, it's not worth your effort then? The effort doesn't really bother me very much. I do this stuff for fun. It's more of, are we going to create more harm than good by letting them know we're there twice a day, four times a day, go out in the morning, come back, go out in the evening, come back for a whole week? How's that going to affect the week that we're down there hunting? Um, I don't see it being an advantage if we're walking right through our destination food every morning and every evening, even if it's in the dark. Okay. All right. So kind of to switch gears a little bit here, um, but like this time of year. So when is it like too late to plant food plots or too early? Cause I th- feel like we're like right in the middle where this isn't, isn't necessarily spring, but I feel like our, our temperatures, it, it went from like super cold to super hot, like immediately. And so you couldn't get in, you know, you didn't have soil temps great, you know, a month and a half ago, maybe when you would have wanted to, to get food in the ground, you know, how, how does the timing work for, uh, these, you know, different, different crops, I guess. No, that's a great question. And a lot of it usually uh, depends on, you know, the, the maturity rate of the plant that you're planting. So it's not too late to plant fall food plots. Um, for And those are mainly what most people plant, including myself. Um, fall food plots are usually a lot of cool season annuals that, you know, that even once it starts getting cold in October and November, you still have some great, great food. And so that's normally, you know, an August time frame, late July to, to August in our neck of the woods of, of the country here. Um, I would say we're getting too late for the spring food plots, spring or summer food plots um, for the exact reason of what we're, or I guess the exact situation we're in right now, which is like a drought uh, here, here in Michigan and, and, and other places. We have not had, squat for rain since early may so it's been weeks um and that's some of the risk you run with the spring food plot summer food plot but this has been unseasonally dry and i mean in some places record dry and it's just i would not plant at this point knowing there's no rain in the forecast and everything is dry as a bone so I would turn my focus to prepping for fall and, you know, do everything you can to have the best fall food plus and spring has been kind of a bust for, for us and a lot of other folks. And so we'll give you, um, you know, I'm bringing you on here. So it's not necessarily like a shameless plug, but you know, with your, your vitalized seed, right. Um, the whole idea behind it is to, to plant, the spring stuff to build up, uh, for the fall and the fall stuff, you know, builds the soil, uh, for planting those, uh, spring plots. So what happens if that spring plot doesn't take, or, um, you just start out with, 
the fall, the carbon load, like how does, how do they work stand alone and not in conjunction with one another? Great question. Once again, I would think that, you know, I, I don't just want to tell people to, to buy the seed and go plant it when we have a drought, right? So that we, don't, we just don't want people to, to just spend money and fail. We want everybody to have the best success they can, even if that means holding off till fall before you buy anything. Um, you can plant and start this process in the spring or the fall. I prefer starting in the fall because it's easier to get a fall plot established and there's usually great rains throughout October. Um, and we do get some good rains in September as well. Now, so you can do either one, say you start in the spring, like last year, we have a you know decent spring, get a bunch of rain. It grows up great all summer and you don't want to terminate to plant the fall mix. You don't have to. Some guys have kept it going. You know, there's clover in the spring mix. There's a, there's a bunch of great stuff that if your plot's looking great and you don't have any rain in the forecast, it may behoove you to not terminate and plant the fall mix uh, in August. If you do have a bunch of rain in the forecast, the, the true way the system works is just like you said, let the spring and summer mix grow all summer produce a ton of what we call biomass or just plant matter above the ground, have some weeds in there too, you know, mother nature doing her thing. And then we would terminate that and then spray that or kill that or mow that, whichever method you choose before planting the fall mix. And what that does is that feeds the fall mix by growing all summer. Now, if it doesn't come up well and you have some weeds in there and, and everything else, that's okay. We're not trying to make, you know, monoculture clover plots or basket plots that you might see on, you know, the, the outdoor channel. We're trying to build up plant matter and cycle nutrients every time we, we put in a new plot. Um, so, you know, to your question, if it doesn't grow perfect over the summer you have a drought condition like we do now and you know it doesn't look exactly perfect that's okay we we're not doing vitalized seed to get the perfect looking spring food plot the fall food plot's gonna look perfect but the spring one is made to cycle nutrients and get nitrogen out of the air put it in the soil for free fertilizer for your fall planting um the idea is to have carbon and nitrogen cycling through your soil as many months of the year as we can, no matter what the plot looks like. So I, I want to go back to what you were saying there about the, the termination, right? So that's one thing that I, and I remember on, on one of our uh, first podcasts that we did together talking uh, about habitat management and doing food plots and stuff. And I thought it was just ridiculous to, you've got this really great looking, you know, monoculture, uh, clover plot. And then you're like, well, you need to go back and, and mow that. And I'm like, well, that is an awful idea. Like I just put in all this work and now you want me to go ahead and kill it. Um, and we, we talked about that from a, like a young, like a new growth type standpoint where uh, deer like to eat new growth. And I, I think since then we've had a discussion talking about how that's, you know, 
kind of maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. But um, with this termination, we think of it as as spraying. Uh, but a lot of times you're either just killing it, you know, you'll, so you'll put your new seed down over top and then you'll go through and mow over top and you're just leaving that on there as mulch to cover up the seed. If I'm, if I'm following correctly, or you're using like your roller crimper or packer to do the same thing, just to cover up that seed. Right. I mean, can you explain that process to me so I can understand it a little bit, bit better? Of course. So I th- let me go back just a second. The way the system works, this you plant the spring mix, it grows all spring and summer. You terminate it while planting the fall mix, and that grows throughout the fall into the winter. You know, greens up in February or March, all the way till we plant the spring mix again. It's we call it the one-two system. We're we're pretty simple guys. We just want to keep it easy for everybody. That's why we do this. Plant one in the spring, one in the fall, repeat the next year. They cycle, they help each other. And the way to get the full cycle and the full breakdown, you know, nutrient cycling is you know, is when plants bring up nutrients from the soil and then release them back into the soil by decomposition or death or what we call termination. So, yeah, so terminating is killing the plants. So they decompose and become fertilizer, you know, just like you spread manure on a field. What's, what's manure decomposed food and, and silage and and everything else. It's it's the same sort of idea with that. Now, how we do that, there are multiple ways to do that. Um, There's herbicide, you know, glyphosate roundup, you can spray. Uh, There's also mechanical, type where you can take a mower you know if you take a if you don't want to use herbicide you can take a, a flail mower or I, I prefer to use a flail mower because it takes that mulch that you mentioned and, and all the clippings call it grass clippings if you will lay down on top of the seed so we'll spread the seed into the five or six foot tall you know matter from either the fall or the spring mix that's that's there and then we'll mow over it. And all those clippings, we call it thatch, become as if you're planting the plant in the dirt. You're burying the seed with this mulch. And what that does, there's a couple things. It acts as dirt and covers the seed. And then, I mean, most importantly right now, to be completely relative to our timing, is you have armor on top of the soil at this point. You know, this mulch, like you put mulch around your, your flowers or your freshly planted trees, holds moisture. It protects the soil from the sun. Drought tolerance, you know, drought times like this, if you have something that's laying over your seeds and over the soil, and you compare that to soil that's been disked or rototilled and it's sitting out in the sun right now for the last three weeks, you can probably visualize that there's a little bit of a temperature difference, a little bit of a moisture difference between the two. You know, if you if you had something covered up versus something exposed in the sun, does that make sense? Yeah, it it, it most certainly does. And I guess I just, I guess there's a, there's a disconnect for me, and and all of that makes sense. Um, 
except for the fact that like I feel like if I just mow something down, like when I mow my grass, um, I'm not a green thumb. My yard is not awesome, um, but it doesn't kill it. So is there a benefit to actually using the Roundup method uh, versus just just the mowing type method? Or are we saying that those new seeds are going to take over from the from the other? That's a good point. So that your, your grass doesn't die because it's a perennial and grass actually flourishes when you mow it. We're using annuals, which plants that are going to die when you get a frost or die after their maturity rate. So, you know, corn and beans, they have 105 you know, corn, 105 day corn. It will grow to 105 days and then die. That's, that's, that's its maturity rate. Our spring and summer seed choices will grow for, you know, over spring and summer. And then once they frost it, they're, they're going to die. So by mowing them, you're expediting that process. If it was a grass, like your yard, like you mentioned, you are correct. It would only help it, and it wouldn't it wouldn't complete the process. Um, if you want to get, you know, the most 1,000% kill, then your glyphosate or AKA Roundup is going to do, do that trick. We don't necessarily need to kill every last clover from the spring and summer nights before we plant our fall mitts. Um, but... If you want to use the Roundup or the glyphosate, you can. It's really, some folks hate herbicide, right? It's, there's all kinds of stuff out there about, you know, rumors about you know, how bad it is and, and this and that. And, you know, I, I use it sparingly. It's a very effective tool. It's probably one of the most effective tools in the habitat world um, to control grasses, um, control certain broadleaf weeds. But, you know, once or twice a year, at the very minimal rate, you know, I'm okay with that on my deer hunting food plots. Am I spraying Roundup, you know, over around my drinking well all the time at home? I try not to. Well, you know, it's been proven that it doesn't cause anything, but I'm not going down that road and I'm not a scientist who uh, did all the research on that. People can, can look that up if they're interested. But so I guess my point is there's multiple ways to skin the cat and we just offer our advice on your situation, what tools you have, what your preferences are to get the job done. You know, we don't need you to go change your whole way of, of doing everything. We just want to help push in the right direction for, you know, healthier soil and um, you know, less herbicide and less fertilizer over time. That's the whole idea. So uh, that just brings me, and, and I appreciate that because that, that makes sense that those are, those are kind of one and done plants or crops, uh, if you will. So what, is there a way to prevent depending on, I guess it would depend on, you know, deer density property, you know, the podcast answers, everything's going to be situational, but, um, from a roundup method versus a mowing method and not killing that, that clover or something that is going to come back. Um, like, is there a benefit or is there a way to prevent your, you know, food plot from being eaten up as soon as it, you know, crests the surface or, you know, breaks the surface? Because that would seem to be a problem that, that we've had up in at our place in the past is that 
you can't grow anything because all the deer go and eat it just as soon as it comes up. Now, would that mowing allow that clover to regrow? Cause it's already got roots. It's already, um, it's already there. Does that, is there a level of protection there, uh, versus killing it and having everything come up at the same time? Yeah, I haven't looked at it that way, but that makes sense to me. Um, a lot of the times if you have, too many deer and nothing is growing, you know, shoot some does. That's going to be high on the list. You know, if you have 25 does and, and a one acre food plot, I don't care what you grow. You're going to have the same issue. Um, so you, have to, you have to keep the deer population in check, first of all. And how we, how we tell if we have an issue with that, we'll fence in a little three-foot circle in the middle of the food plot, like, like a you know, four or five-foot tall fence, and just leave it. And then you can tell throughout the fall, wow, my food plot did come in. It's eight inches tall in the fence. Everywhere else is eaten down like a putting green. Well, that's due to deer population. Um, to, to get back to your, your question, I think not terminating everything and giving that other clover that's in there a chance to remain alive is is perfectly fine. I mean, we have four or five more clovers coming in the fall mix that are going to pop back up right away as soon as you plant. Um, What is different about Vitalize is that we have these diverse mixes, right? The spring and summer mix, Nitro Boost, there's 13 seed types. The uh, fall mix, there's 15 seed types. And what that's doing, instead of having all your, say, brassicas or soybeans come up at the same time, we have all these different plants that grow at different rates. You have, you know, your, your wheat and your rye that are first to pop out of the ground. They're growing like crazy. Uh, you got the clover establishing below them. You have the vetch that's kind of binding its way through. So you're really getting more plants in the, I guess, column, you know, the zero to the 18 inch mark. We have 15 different plants filling that threshold, that column where if you're doing a monoculture of a plant, it's pretty easy for the deer to just hammer each and every one of them. You know, we have you know, different things competing with each other and filling in the gaps, producing just more tonnage, which makes our mix more browse tolerant. And so I, I've heard it, and I don't know if it's an old wives' tale or if it's real. I don't go out there and try these different plants. Um, and, and I have, um, you know, with different, like the clover flowers or like you can eat dandelions and plantains and all that stuff. But so do these, do these different plants and plant types have a different, um, draw to deer, uh, at different times of the year at different levels of maturity? Cause I've always heard that with like brassicas or whatever that they don't do very well, but as soon as the first frost, then they get really sugary and the deer hammer them. Like how is there reality to that or how does that uh, manifest? There's definitely a reality to that. Um, and actually, surprisingly, I think QDMA came out where NDA now National Deer Association came out with an article that said uh, the first frost does not actually make a brassica more sweet and tasty to a deer. Um, I was 
I was always under the old lifestyle that, that it did as well. And again, if people want to look that up, check it out. I, I'm pretty sure that's, they, they call that a bust. But what deer do, they're selective herbivores. They can go through a soybean field, just all soybeans. And they can tell which leaf on each plant holds the most nutrients. Uh, I don't know how, I'm not a deer biologist, but you, they pick certain leaves on each one and they know how to do that. Um, that along with the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, Nebraska might not be the, the bulb eating much until it's, it's cold out and maybe right off the bat, you know, October 1st, they're eating the very young clover, the very young cereal rye, winter wheat, triticale. Um, yes, everything does have a certain time frame and a maturity rate, if you will, when deer seek it out. The most it could be based on weather, uh, it could be based on your soil type. You know, the deer know how to tell, and each of these plants, you know, they're all different plants. So, I mean, it makes sense that they would all act a little bit different, taste a little bit different, and have different requirements. It, it's weird to me that that we haven't figured that out or like created the this ultimate mix of the same thing, like bioengineered all this stuff so that for us here in Michigan, I mean, if you could make something that became the tastiest thing for deer, November 15th through uh, December 1st, you would be a multimillionaire because every white tailed deer hunter in Michigan, all of, the orange army would be planting that on every bare piece of ground that, that allowed hunting. Um, are there people I, that are I looking they, into that? I thought they did invent that, Adam. Isn't it that yellow bag of corn at the <laughs> gas station? Yeah. Yep. The, uh, the whole gold, uh, lick, the, the old bag of gold. Yep. Or the yeah, sugar we, we beets. Or... Up, uh, yeah. Insta. Insta food plots, insta plots, right? Bag of corn, you got an instant food plot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's all joking aside, it, it's effective. <laughs> they love it, but yeah, I mean, Grant, Doctor Grant Woods, he he's the one that took brassicas from New Zealand, brought them into the U.S., and started a company called Biologic um, years ago, and made his millions. So, I mean, with big companies and and marketing and i mean everything's the best right everything's the best seed um the best clover the best soybeans i know people are you know there's a lot of gmo corn and and beans and tomatoes and and everything else so i think people are doing it i don't think there's any one that's one like like the best year after year i mean there are ones that are do great clover goes great brassicas do great grains you know wheat rye they do awesome um but what what really wins you know what is mother nature doing you do not find a monoculture which is a singular crop of anything in mother nature it's diversity 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 is is king and what we're finding is when we plant diverse mixes the deer respond, all wildlife responds better to 
what was being done before we were even around diversity. So we plant diverse mixes. I watched my deer walk across my three year established clover plot to, you know, a month old, barely grown carbon load plot last fall because we had a drought last fall too. Literally, you start a food plot company and you get two droughts. It's, it's kind of funny. But like deer understand that, the, the diversity, wildlife understands. And then they can pick, you know, one bite of Nebraska, one bite of clover, one bite of wheat. And that's how, that's how Mother Nature does it. So everybody else has a, a pizza joint or a sub shop and you're uh, the Golden Corral or the Ponderosa of uh, food plots. <laughs> back when back when you and I were young, I think it was the old country buffet, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Do you yep. remember that? Mm-hmm. We had it up in Muskegon. Yep. 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 Urgent care right now is what it is. But oh, uh, <laughs> is that what it is now? Okay. Yep. Yeah, but I mean I, I guess that makes sense because even in our diets we're not you know, we don't eat the same or just one thing every single day. And I guess I don't ever think about the the needs of, of animals. I mean, even, you know, think about you, like your dog or your cat, you just fill up their bowl with whatever, um, you know, whatever food you give them. And then, you know, maybe you give them a table scrap here and there. Um, but man, they're really, really excited for that. Something different, uh, not just the same old, same old. So I guess that would make sense in in the diversity side of it. And, And, you know, one of the things from all of the years of, of deer hunting and then doing the podcast and then kind of putting two and two together or, uh, you know, at least attempting it right. Is, you know, I was sitting out there probably sitting in, uh, in poison Ivy. It was before I moved to the area with the, the large amounts of poison Ivy. Uh, but I watched these three bucks come through the field and, uh, they went right over and they were just eating honeysuckle. They were just, you know, and I was like, man, that I, it's not something I would think of as like what deer would be eating. And there's all these freshly planted cornfields and there's, uh, you know, hay fields and all sorts of stuff where you see deer out there. And then here comes these deer through this barren field that hasn't been planted yet. And, uh, right over to the honeysuckle, all of them. And they browsed there for probably 10, 15 minutes. And back to that, that diversity, I think, I think higher level deer hunters have it figured out. And, uh, you know, on that podcast with Jake Bush, where he said, you know, food is king and, you know, trying to figure out where they're feeding, uh, is huge, but just to understand like what these deer both like to eat will, I guess will eat. And then given an opportunity, what they choose. Um, I think that that's a, that's a huge thing. So that makes sense in, in having a very diverse uh, mix there. Yeah. And I mean, not everybody's going to go this, this deep into food plot seeds, right? We understand that we're kind of in our own special habitat nerd world over here and, and not everybody, you know, even cares. Um, So, I mean, our, our thought with the whole thing is, Let's just simplify this for everybody. You have one spring mix, one fall mix, you're done. And the feedback we've gotten on just that alone has been amazing. So, you know, 
I can sit here and tell you all the scientific info. Well, I, I can't tell you all of it. I really can't, but I can try. My partner, can t- Al, can tell you all of it. And at the end of the day, do you really want to know? I mean, you just want something that works, right? So we're trying to simplify it. And, and to, your, to your point about, you know, the, the diversity, um, those, those bucks are eating honeysuckle because there's probably not much else around. I mean, deer will eat honeysuckle, but it's lower on, you know, that's an invasive. It's lower on the list. And a lot of people don't manage their timber correctly. Um, most of the U.S. doesn't manage their timber correctly. I mean, 95% of the parcels that I go consult on, they, their, their timber needs help. So we help them. But, you know, Bo Martonic was just on Kevin's podcast the other day. And Kevin was grilling him about, hey, how do you take a Pennsylvania mountain range and know where to start? And his answer was, I find the most diverse spots. And that's where I start. So, I mean, we're not, you know, this isn't any brand new news. It's just what we figured out over time works for us and and works for the deer. Um, And most of the time your neighbors aren't doing this, aren't doing the stuff we're doing. So that already sets you apart by, you know, by caring and, and managing your habitat. Once you're the outlier, the deer know that. The deer know where the best food's at. Do you know where the best cover's at? They know where you're not pressuring them. They, I mean, you know how that works, right? Pressure and all that. So we're just trying to give them, I guess, the most we can and, um, you know, what they like the most, too. Just making it simple, really. Just trying to, at least. So you guys are a relatively new company, and I'm, I'm assuming that you were using these mixes prior to just throwing them out there to the for sale right and it's very you know we, we gotta and no offense to you right but we have to consider the source and it's i'd imagine that you're given the seeds or your uh your trial uh to the people that are going to do the best with it right someone who's going to give it a chance to win from a simplicity standpoint, like, do you have any stories where you gave it to Al's brother-in-law who doesn't know Dick about food plots and said, Hey, you go just throw the seed out and mow over it. And it's really that simple. Like, do you have any success stories of over like the, like the poor man's or the easy or the guy that's, that's like me, who's, who's not uh, wiping his bow off every time and making sure that everything is, uh, uh, you know, properly lubricated and all this stuff after every single hunt, drying it out. Like the guy that's just, you know, kind of doing everything from a every man's standpoint and not uh, a habitat nerd, as you so eloquently called yourself. Yeah. I mean, we've been planning these mixes for, for years. I've been planning them for four years. Al's been planning them for eight or nine. Um, and we, we practice what we preach. So we, we didn't just come to market with something we made up. Like this has been how it all started with people requesting these mixes. We've been talking about them on the podcast. Al's on a bunch of different forums, um, the Ohio outdoors, etc. You can go back years on there and see. And we just got so many requests for the mix that we decided to, to come together and see if we can help people out and, and do it. And, and to your point, you know, we, we help everybody who wants 
to help. If you call us, you know, you talk to us. If you send us a soil test and want help going over it, we go over it. Email, same thing. Every single person, we're trying to set ourselves apart from the other food plot companies by offering the best service. And if it sounds a little bit, um, you know, over my head, then I can call in and talk to Al or Jared and we'll help get you on the right path. Um, as far as guys who, you know, wanted to try it and just threw it out there and and follow the steps and, and want to implement this sort of process for their soil and their deer and their wallet, yeah, we had a ton of them last fall and last spring who bought the seed and, um, and planted it. I mean, the pictures, the emails, the Facebook posts, the reviews on the website, it's all it's all there. It's all real. And uh, yeah, so to answer your question, um, we've gone through it all so far. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't mean that like, like disrespectfully. What I meant uh, was – you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like if I'm going to uh, have a broadhead company, uh, if I have a guy that shoots like 19 does and then one kid who it's his fourth hunt in four years and kills a, a booner, you know, the guy with the, the kid with the booner is getting the picture in the, in the pub on, uh, on social media. Uh, if you're doing mineral, if you're doing camo, it doesn't matter. Those are the pictures that you want to show that it's winning, right? And so we always see these these crazy tall food plots and all of that. And, the, you know, the giant tubers, right? I don't know what they are, if they're you know, radishes or what the hell. But th that seems to be like one of the things where everybody wants to show this, you know, two foot long radish or beet or something. So I just wondered if there was guys that just like – threw it out, got good results and are like, okay, this is uh, essentially idiot proof. Yes. And, and no disrespect taken, my friend, you're gonna have to do a lot better than that to offend <laughs> me. Um, you got big shoulders. So no, I mean, I guess the point I'm trying to make to, to your point is like, you gotta consider the source. Like who are these guys? How they've been planning it? Um, or how this come to fruition? Like, I, I love that question. Um, I ask devil's advocate type questions all the time just to make sure everybody's on the same page and we're considering all options with everything. Um, yeah. And, and the guys who have thrown it out, who, I mean, I don't really use that term idiot proof, but it is pretty idiot proof because that's what we're trying to do. You know, if, if you have a certain soil type that doesn't like, uh, uh, Nebraska, for instance, there's 14 other seeds in there. You know, purple top turnip, you know, there's 14 other seeds in there that may flourish in your soil type. You know, that's that's what we're trying to do here is really make it idiot proof and make it simple because not everybody has the time anymore to do all the best research and figure out what works, works best for them. And we're just trying to come up with um, the most, you know, efficient solution to, to most people's problems. You know, we've we're coming out with some new products coming up. We haven't really talked about it at all much because we're doing testing um, all fall last year and all this year. We'll probably come launch some before fall of, of this coming year. But there's, we go through, you know, like I mentioned, if you have a soil test, we'll go through it with you. We've gone through hundreds of them. And we found things that are lacking and, and very common, very commonly lacking. So we're coming out with, with things to help the average guy, you know, 
better his soil all around, which, as we've learned, has been extremely attractive to deer, uh, you know, along the way. The goal of this company was to help, you know, build better soil, cycle nutrients, reduce herbicide, reduce fertilizer, and the deer are just hammering it. So it's actually a, a pretty great byproduct. Well, and you know just as well as I do that everybody gets kind of uh, sucked into the the glamour of, of a lot of this stuff, but where you're at, you know, everybody wants the, the easy button. And it's, it's one of those things where if it sounds too good to be true, then it is right. Like, Oh, just use this. It's the best broadhead ever. It's the best saddle ever. It's the best, you know, choose one pack, you know, boots that doesn't matter. And you know, that I think is the, is what would sell it. Because if, I don't really care who you are um, or I guess it's it's basically back to like a photographer analogy, right? You can give me, uh, you know, name, you know, a seven three or whatever the next one is that you give me the, Oh, whatever, the, whatever my sister got Canon RX something or other. It doesn't matter. One of these high end cameras and I can give, you know, our buddy Craig Watson, a professional photographer an iPhone and his pictures are going to come up better than mine just based on experience and everything that he knows. I can give you all of the tools and any amount of whatever food plot seed, and you're going to be able to make something grow and flourish. Now it might not be as easy, but the difference is if you can give me your seed and I can you know, essentially throw and grow my way to success, you're going to get a lot further, you know, with people having, you know, if you do all the steps and you do everything correctly to the, the habitat nerd, you're going to, you know, far uh, exceed your expectations. But if you give it to the, if you give it to me, the idiot, the habitat idiot, and I can do well with it, um, you know, that, I think that's a testament to the, to the use of it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, let's not forget, we all need some rain <laughs> but at, the, at the same time. It's like, you know, we didn't invent this sort of planting method and, and type of, of food plot. I mean, farmers have been doing what, what we call regenerative agriculture for decades. Um, it's not as common in the, in the food plot world, which we, you know, we're, we're going against the grain in, in that fashion. We're trying to bring it to light here. And it's healthy. You know, there's six principles of soil health. People want to research that. That's what we're following. Like the research has already been done by people way smarter than, than me. Dr. Grant Woods talks about it on his YouTube channel all the time. It's a great channel to watch if anybody's interested and they sell our competitor seed. Um, I'd still urge people to watch it because it's, it's just, there's a lot that, that goes into this and you have guys who have already proven and, and done the research. It's out there. We're just trying to simplify it for folks, um, use it ourselves and, and get people on the right path to better soil health. Like here's, for instance, do you, do you just quit fertilizing day one? No. 
like you want to wean off, you know, fertilize synthetic fertilizer is like a drug to, to your soil. You can't just wean off. I'm sorry, you quit over time though, as you're building up this one, two process and you're putting this nutrient cycling back into the soil, um, you can get yourself off of these synthetic fertilizers, the salt based fertilizers. You know, you got, the roots of sun hemp and sunflowers in the spring mix, they're going down deep, right? They're going three, four, five foot in the soil, grabbing nutrients and pulling them up to the plant. Then we kill those plants in the fall and all that nutrients from the whole soil column is sitting right there at, at the seed level. You know, and then you got legumes like soybeans all summer long that are grabbing nitrogen out of the air. Air is 78% nitrogen and they are taking that nitrogen through photosynthesis putting it in the plant which then we terminate and it sits there right at the seed level again so we're literally just using biology so our slogan is make biology work for you we're using biology to achieve this fertilizer need over time uh, so tomorrow i would you know call us up you go over your soil test you're lacking in a b or c we're just going to recommend you use that stuff to get there Maybe, we'll, maybe it'll be an organic type or a foliar type versus a salt-based stuff. But this is a whole, a whole system. There's a lot to it, and we're just trying to help people simplify and get in the right direction because um, your soil will promote better plants, grow better plants, and your deer will know where those better plants are and whose property they're on. Heck, yeah, man. And like I said, for me, the more – idiot proof something is and if if it's effective and if it can be 60% effective with minimal use or you know minimal effort or you know the sky's the limit with as much effort as you can put in it i mean that's the perfect thing i feel like for this type of topic because you know we've we've had podcasts for seeds and food plots and all this stuff. And it always comes down to essentially time equipment and for effort, I guess is the, the lack of the better, better terminology. And, and, and that's the, that's the key. So if you can, if you can do something, you know, year over year, you know, at this time you do it, you do this and then you go through and whether you mow it, you spray it, whatever, but it doesn't have to be both because, you know, when you get into spraying, like, oh, you got to spray and then maybe you got to come back two weeks later, maybe you got to come back four weeks later. I mean, you know where my property is. It's eight hours away. So coming back up in two weeks isn't, isn't really uh, cost effective, right? Yes, you're you're a hundred percent right, and I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I used to drive to my property. I I mow all the all the weeds down. I'd come back. I'd let it grow a little bit. I'd spray. That's two trips. I'd kill most of it. Come back. I'd spray again. That's, that's three trips. And sometimes you going to spray one, so you know two or three trips already. Then you come back and disc the soil up, till it up, whatever. Plant the seed and pray for some rain for that bare soil. That's three to four trips, gas money, time to the property, everything else. Um, I have three kids under 10 years old. And when you, when you have to be efficient with your time, that's where, I mean, that's kind of why I got on board with the no-till from way back 
we call it no child regenerative bag, whatever you want to call it. I was out of my place the other day. The carbon load from last fall, I planted in August, um, the rye grain, and that was five foot tall. I spread my nitro boost seed mix into the five foot tall. I walked through the five foot tall carbon load, spread the seed. And then I terminated by roller crimping. You can roller crimp, you can spray, you can mow, like we talked about. So I had one pass with the seed and one pass with my termination method. And I was in the truck and off. I was gone. One one trip. And this fall, when I go to plant carbon load, my nitro boost spring mix will be, you know, as tall as it gets this summer with how much rain we get. I'm going to spread the fall mix. I'm going to terminate the nitro boost. And I'm going to be gone. You know, I'll add some fertilizer if I need to, or I'll add whatever amendments I need. But I'm doing this in one trip now. I've gotten it down to a system and efficiency. To your point, time, effort, money, it's all a part of it. So we're just trying to trying to help and, and help ourselves too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, for the fall, uh, what do you got planned? I mean, obviously, you're going to be hunting Ohio. You're going to be hunting Michigan. Uh, anything else on the on the docket? So I haven't told you yet. I sold my 15 acres uh, two days ago. Okay. So that's, that was kind of my Michigan baby. Um, I was like hunting there. I was made time to hunt there. And, and now that's, that's gone. So I'm actively looking for a, a new parcel in Michigan to hopefully 1031 and, and buy a new parcel. Um, that, so that'll be a new project. If I can get that done, I'd love to have a new Michigan, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 acres, 40 acres, something like that, whatever, whatever I can afford and, and figure out. So that's going to be big. If that happens, that'll be probably one of my main priorities. Um, we have our, our up North property. I'm going to try to get up there. we got some timber harvesting going on with some guys from North Muskegon. They're coming all the way up to help harvest some maple up there. So that's kind of an ongoing habitat project up, up in the Northern 70. Um, Ohio, we're hoping the camera show us some good stuff. EHD hit hard there, as Jake Bush said, and I've heard from other people last, I think it was last year before hunting season. So we're, you know, the, the guys down there had kind of a tough year last year. So we're going to see what's going on there. And, um, I usually try to get out to Illinois with my buddy Jordan for trail weekends. So that's pretty much it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the fall a little bit open. I'm going to bring my kids out. They always come out with me. We shot three deer together last year, and that's really number one. And hopefully I can get an arrow and something cool uh, along the way as well. So that's my plan, my friend. Awesome. And so if people have questions about the Vitalize Seed or any habitat-type questions and they're not following along with the, the Habitat pod, podcast, they sure, certainly should do that. Uh, but otherwise, where can they get a hold of you for uh, any questions about any of this stuff? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. We, uh, we have 230 episodes of the Habitat podcast of all things from food plots to inch cutting to switchgrass, whatever there. We talk about everything food plots throughout the last uh, five years. But for Vitalize stuff, go to vitalizeseed.com. Um, either my partner, Albert, or I will, you know, reach back out to you if you email us, call us, text us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever you want, YouTube. Um, we'll help you out. 
it's it's something that we're we're proud of. We try to you know run the best customer service we can have and get people on the right path. We don't want you guys to fail in your food plot planning. Like that doesn't help anybody. So we'll go over the test with you. We'll answer your questions. We'll see what equipment you have. We'll recommend what method to use. And once we can get you know get this going, get the website with with you know more how-to videos, more frequently asked questions, everything going. We're going to get people going on the right path for the the best soil health and nutrient cycling we can. So, vitalic.com. I appreciate it, Adam. Thanks for letting me um, shout that out. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, thanks for coming on and, and, and taking some time while you're uh, in the car today. And looking forward to uh, meeting back up with you this weekend. Oh, you're the best, man. You're making my drive go by quick. I appreciate it. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you. All right. We'll see you then.